You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm your host, Jason Todd, with my co-host, Alex Gary, and today, Troy Reddington, the founder of Weber Kettle Club and 420 Vape Zone. Troy, welcome to the What Works podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So Weber Kettle Club and 420 Vape Zone, walk us through what these groups are. Oh, wow. Well, it all started back in 2012 back in that era uh, my my boss at the current time he gave me this book by gary vaynerchuk called crush it and it was all about just cashing in on your passion and uh being taking your passion and, and creating something with it being more of a, an entrepreneur rather than just hustling at a, at a side job or at a day job so i i reached out to what i was passionate about and the first thing i, I was into was grilling so I, I created this grilling community, and it was all—it all started with vintage kettles, and uh, it, it quickly grew into a community of uh, of people collecting grills, which sounds incredibly strange. It does. When you hear it for for the first time, <laughs> uh, because we were buying these old charcoal grills from the sixties and seventies for fifteen twenty bucks, and just enjoying them, cleaning them, restoring them. But it quickly caught on as uh, an easy hobby for grown men to to join because you can just search craigslist and find old grills uh, and it quickly turned into a a thing like now grills are worth a thousand dollars on ebay instead of 30 bucks on craigslist and you know six years later i have this community of twelve thousand people and i'm creating grilling content and content about old grills and just just doing it just uh creating content that people enjoy uh, engaging with and being a part of Wow, and then the, yeah, and then tell, and what is this four twenty vape zone? So four twenty vape zone, uh, similar story. I mean, the Weber Kettle Club grew into a, a side hustle that uh, started earning money and started taking over more of my life, and I, I it was more rewarding than the day job that I was actively involved in. Uh, and uh, this this Crush It book really talked about exploring your passions and just chasing new new challenges and using social media to connect with other people with similar passions and using community to kind of uh, springboard a passion into a career. Uh, and with cannabis becoming more and more okay, I thought it was a, a good time to come forward and say, hey, you know, I, I, I'm also... This... <laughs> I'm a user. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like all, all these years, you guys, just so you know. Uh, and I'm also, I'm also passionate about that because there's there's different ways to use cannabis that are, are less of the stoner stigma. Yeah. And I, I'm a big fan of like professional potheads. Like I, I'm, I like, I like it when people look at me and, and they realize, Oh, you, you've done all this with your career. You've been this professional and you smoke weed all day. That's, that's crazy because it goes against the stereotype. And I, I like that. Yeah. Alex? Yeah. I just want to take a step back because it's not like you were stocking um, Walmart. Right, you you were a very talented web developer and SEO expert, and you could have done that and and retired rich, and yet you saw yeah. this. So what 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 about the book Crush It really spoke to you? Well, a lot of a lot of the thing with with Crush It was just about the difference in happiness of, of when you're when you're doing something that you love and it doesn't feel like work. That that really hit home to me. Like even though I, I felt satisfied crushing it for a day job, you know, for a career, even working on my own nighttime hours, you know, I'd come home from my day job and I would still work at my day job at night. I, I felt the, uh, I felt good about doing that work, but it didn't make me happy. Like I felt, I felt 
happy that I was kicking ass, but it didn't really make me happy when I was doing it. I, I always felt like I was a negative person. I just didn't feel like I was me. And all along those ways, I was always trying to be a leader in whatever space I was in, you know, with when I was, I was pretty well known SEO for a while. Uh, and I was writing blogs, I was conferences and speaking. I always felt the need to be more of a, a public face, but it never, never felt quite right. Like I never felt like I was doing it for the right, right reasons, you know? And when I started doing it online in the cannabis space, it was a, a completely different change. Like I suddenly felt like I was, I was the real me. And it kind of felt like all these years I was trying to be this big web developer, SEO persona, like be the expert in that space. What I was really meant for was, you know, chasing my passions and being the expert of whatever I'm passionate about. You know, I was passionate about SEO and web development, but it was more of a, an inner drive, an inner geek. And I think I was just building skills to share my, my new passions and pave the rest of the way of my, my life. That's really inspirational. Is this Thank a story you. that you tell frequently to people? Uh, no, not quite. <laughs> usually it's, usually it's a little more of the, the side hustle grind version. You know, I gave you the, the friendly version, but it's, it's been a, it's been a ride, especially moving to California. You know, it's been, been interesting. Hey, did, so, so let's talk about that. You moved from, from Illinois to California and which is, a, which is a move in, in and of itself. And there's, there's this, um, well, well accepted principle that, that if you want to change something about your life, you generally need to change your circumstances or your environment because you become part of your environment and you think you're going to change in that environment, but you're not, uh, because your environment is there to, to hold you kind of hostage into its own form. Did you find that in changing your environment that that was instrumental in you being able to now follow the, follow kind of like the real thing that you were made to do or however you put that? I did a lot of that, you know, the, the, the homeostasis of, of being around all the similar minded people back in Rockford. Uh, it was definitely, definitely preventing me from taking bigger leaps uh, especially even even with just web development and SEO, mm -hmm. Rockford was was rather limited. And when I moved to California, I intended on doing more bigger web dev and SEO projects. Yeah, it just happened. It just happened to be. Oh yeah, weed is legal here as well. Maybe there's opportunity for more passion projects. Yeah. So now you have two different communities. You said you got like something like twelve thousand people in this Weber Kettle Club, and it seems to me that you were from the way you told it, you're kind of instrumental in. Uh, developing this niche, which turns these $30 grills into, you know, $1,000 grills. That's, that's pretty fascinating to, to be so instrumental in creating this one uh, kind of the, the fulcrum, that leverage point where all of a sudden, you know, you're impacting uh, a market. Yeah. To be honest, the whole Weber thing was kind of accidental. You know, I mean, I, I, I got into Weber's because I wanted a red one and that's what my dad had. And I wanted to have the same color grill as my dad okay. when I was young Yeah. and Weber stopped making the red grills in like the late nineties. So back in 2010 or 2011, when I wanted this red grill, I, I had to research it. I had to figure out why I can't find them anymore. And then I had to find a used one. And that's actually when I met a few other people who are also into 
old webbers. So there was a back back then, 2010, there was like three people on the internet that had more than one old charcoal grill. You know, okay. there was this guy, Jeff, who had, he had like, he had five grills. And I remember showing this picture of, of uh, his grill collection to my wife and saying, I kind of want to have multiple charcoal grills of different colors because I want to, I want to be this barbecue guy. I want to be this barbecue person. I want to make videos and create content and having a few old grills makes, makes it unique. And I, and I think it'd be cool to cook on those old grills. So I started connecting and talking to these people. And wait, hold on, and, hold on. She didn't say you're crazy. Oh no no she did okay she did good. all right and, and and keep in mind this was this is back when Jeff had he had like five maybe seven grills so I showed a picture of of seven grills in a group <laughs> to my wife and back then back then seven grills was was pretty crazy like you see somebody with seven grills you why do you have seven grills man it's like having but seven now, dogs yeah so now <laughs> there's no reason for it now Jeff now Jeff the same Jeff I think he has probably sixty. Wow. Grills. And there are there are people in the in the community that have uh well more than a hundred. It's I know, I know, it's it's pretty crazy. It's it, it's it's exploded. There's been spin-off sites, uh there's been uh, there's Facebook groups, it, it's it's all over the place now. It's no longer just the Weber Kettle Club as this place for grill collectors. It, it's you're, it's a thing now. You're ground zero, right? Is there is ground it, zero? He's ground zero of the yeah. Weber or like when when they trace um, illnesses all the way back to the the original person, what's that? The source, yeah, I don't something know. like that. You're you're that you're that guy. Something. <laughs> yeah, well, I I feel like I wasn't necessarily the guy. Yeah, but I I feel like there was maybe three or four people at the core of it, and I just created a home for those people to actually congregate. Whereas before, there were just. One well, guy was on Instagram. One guy was here. Well, let's talk. Know. Let's talk about the, the the money behind this, right? Because uh, it sounds like it's a cool hobby, but you said it, at some point it's you started making money at it. Where you know what's the business model? Okay, so the business model is is well, in a sense, it's make money however you can. But coming from the affiliate side of things with the companies that I was working for, they made millions of dollars a day. I mean, you know, I came from the SEO side, and I, a lot of the terms and the the core function of my job was to turn traffic and turn content into money. So I was able to identify certain key terms and types of SEO traffic that earns X amount of dollars per day for all those companies that I work for. I just essentially transferred those same skills to my own niche and like figured out what people are looking for uh, around content that I already like. You know, I, I don't want to create content that can make money just because it can make money. I had to like align the funnels. Like, okay, so I, I really like this product and this product and this product. Can I make money with affiliate links? Affiliate links is, is the big thing, uh, capturing traffic and converting that traffic to a, a sale where somebody will pay me a small commission and then multiplying that traffic is essentially how I do it. So where, where are you at on 420 Vape Zone in terms of... Um interest and, and, and income and, and, you know, where do you think you can take it? Uh, so 420 Vape Zone, I started that as a side hustle as well. I mean, I was working full time when I started 420 Vape Zone. And then the company I was working for, the they were closing down the, the website that I was focused on. And they offered me to move to the main branch. And I just didn't feel any passion towards it because it was a brand that 
I, I wasn't a part of. I mean, with Fat Wallet, I was a part of the brand. I was, I was part of the founding group for that. I was passionate about the Fat Wallet brand. But when it came time to potentially move to Ebates, I really felt it in my heart and soul. Like, I have no interest in, in helping this company make another billion dollars. I've already done that, and I'm still working a fucking day job. Sorry. Maybe it's time to uh, do something for myself for once. And I, I was into the, the cannabis vapes, and there was also a need for it because the, the dry herb vape scene was, was growing with cannabis becoming more accepted and legal everywhere. Surely it's, it's a, a early adopter stage right now. There were already people reviewing these products, but they, they were doing it purely for like affiliate sake. Like there just wasn't somebody representing the community's best interests. Like it, that's how I felt at the time. I think, I think it's changed now, but at the time there was just nobody uh, demonstrating exactly how these products work and what those little nuances are. There's a lot of these products out there and people were reviewing them in a, a, a very easy and cliched way. Like, Oh, here's this thing. It's great. It's 40 bucks and it does this and ta-da. But the problem with, with dryer vapes, with, with cannabis vapes, they function very differently than smoking because when you smoke weed, it's so straightforward and it's so ingrained. Like before you ever smoke weed, you know how to smoke weed. You know that you light a joint, you light a bowl, you inhale with vaporizers. It's, it's a completely different experience. The same amount of cannabis you actually inhale, you know, 10, 12, 15 times and you get all of the cannabinoids and THC versus 30% of the, of the smoke or the combustion. So it's, it's a very different experience and the, the vapes don't translate well. So there's a lot of disappointment. It's like, if you, what's happening is people would be interested in a dryer vaporizer. They would go out and look at, to the internet for reviews and content and they would find non-expert content they would buy a cheap vaporizer and then they would say, oh, this product sucks. But then that product would represent the whole uh, space of cannabis vaporizers. And it, would, it, was, it was like damaging the potential for these products to evolve because people were thinking, oh, God, I tried a dryer vape and it was terrible. Well, that's because you tried a $60 version instead of the better ones. And I, I saw the need to be a better representation of what these products really are, how to use them, and how they differ from traditional cannabis methods. Even if it didn't pay the bills, I, I felt like I was feeling a, a need for that that education on the internet. Still, this, this was a leap then, because you, you're at a job that paid you probably very well, and you've got this How's one. That, was that Motor Trend? Yeah. So so you're, you're doing this, you know, now you're doing... Um, you have this thing on the side, which is going well, and now they want to transfer you. So you you gave up a significant amount of money to chase your passion, right? I did. What, I did, what yeah. went into the you know what went into the pros and cons to make that decision? Um, a lot of it was really the happiness factor. Like I I always feel like when I'm at home doing this type of work. I find like I can I can sit down and I can crush it for 18, 20 hours, never lose focus, never get unhappy. Like I'm just I, I'm happy to do it. If I have free time, I'm happy to sit back here and create this content. And the difference uh, of of uh, how much it takes me to do work for somebody else, 
I wish I could explain that better. Like if, if you were to pay me to build you a website, m- money doesn't motivate me. Like, so if you say, I'll pay you $5,000 to build this website by Sunday, I'm like, okay, I can do that, but I'm not really motivated by the money. I'd rather just get the project out of the way and make you happy. It, it, it was pain. It's get, it got to the point where it was so it was painful for me to work for other people because once you experience working for your own passion, it's like everything else is slavery. It, it, it's almost a disease. It's it's almost a uh, once the work for your own passion thing. It makes it to ever not work for your passion, and that's the situation I'm in right now. <laughs> Well, there you go. <laughs> so, so, so if we say, you know, we want you to build a website for us for 20 grand, you're going to say no. <laughs> Just, Probably. Okay. Probably. All right. Let's cross that off. Cross that so, off. Yeah, it's All off right. the list. <laughs> so a lot of people, I mean, a lot, a lot of people talk about what you're talking about. They, they, they profess that that's the, you know, the path to go. And a lot of people believe, believe that too, but are unwilling to make the leap. What do you... What do you say to those people who, you know, talk about it, but is, is, is that leap for everybody? No, I don't think the leap is for everybody, but here, here's the deal. Everybody has something. Everybody has something that they know a lot about. Everybody has a topic that they're willing to commit their free time to learning more about, and they'll share that information willingly with anybody who's willing to listen because it's their passion. And people don't realize that because we're so trained by society and by our education system that you go to school, you learn something and you, you do your career and you live your life and you get a pension and then you die and you fish, you know, you die and then you fish. Not necessarily. That'd be cool to see. That's what comes next, right? The zombie. That's what comes next. Fishing. Yes. But I mean, everybody can, can find what they're passionate about and at least start. Yeah. It may not be, like, ta-da, it's your new job, but at least it's it's an element of, of happiness, and it's pretty easy to make money, uh, especially now in 2018, with everything we're seeing in the, the print and the media industry, all these commercials that we're so used to seeing on, on TV and on websites and in magazines, all of those are becoming useless. Commercials and, and advertisements are, are getting less and less attention and what's happening is all these giant companies like Nike and just tons of them, and they have millions of dollars in advertising budgets that they were putting into these display ads that are no longer working. So they're they're slowly, well, quickly now, pushing that money into wherever the attention is. And the attention in, in the real world is uh, is at a micro level. People are looking at influencers on social media for their expert opinions because these people know and they're passionate and they're sharing it and it's to the point where people just can't trust the bigger brands because the bigger brands aren't connecting at uh, a, a niche level and so people are connecting with with social experts and these social experts are, are essentially the next media where where the money's going to go to these big brands are investing in smaller social media people so, so it's that- pr- relatively easy to, to get some audience and make some money, even if it's just a side hustle. That's, and that's part of what your, um, kind of what your business model is with the, the two groups that you, that you have founded. Yes, absolutely. I, I connect with manufacturers. I, I build an audience. 
I create content that is honest and objective and in my passionate wheelhouse that helps the audience. If I can help manufacturers, that's great as well. That's one of my philosophies on the, on the 420 side is I actually, I don't want to just help consumers find the right product and make money from that transaction. I want to improve the space. I want to be a voice for the space. I want to help manufacturers build better products. And I think that's important as well. And you're on the, you're kind of on the cusp of some, some big moves here with 420 vape zone. I mean, the cannabis is being legalized in a lot of different places. Now you are, you are leading the wave, uh, in kind of the next big, um, commercial movement. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to give vaporization chance. Like I, I believe, I believe cannabis has a lot more potential for people if they can break away from the stoner stigmas and the the smoking aspect of cannabis. Let, let me go back. You know, so if somebody's listening to this, they're going to wonder, how did I find uh, Troy out in California? So let me go back and tell a quick story. Troy and I worked together at the Rockford Register Star. I was the online editor, and which was, for some reason, got a lot of attention. Troy was the online producer, so he did all the work behind the scenes. And that was the webmaster. Webmaster, yes. Okay. Um, and while we were together, we, we redid the website twice. I we got we won a bunch of awards, and then Fat Wallet hired Troy away. And oh, I I remember like a year later, I was having my annual review, and my boss said, "Well, you know, you got you did this and this and this and this your first two years. This year, you only did this and this. I mean, so I've got to give you a bad review." Um, what do you have to say for yourself? And I said, yeah, Troy Reddington is in Rockton. That's what I have to say for myself. <laughs> I didn't have, I, I still have the ideas. I don't have the person to execute those ideas. So, <laughs> so what I heard in that was Troy, you really, you really screwed up, uh, Alex's <laughs> next year. Good job. Sorry no. about that. I, I heard so many horror stories about that. <laughs> Even from, from the corporate side of things, because of the, the software that, that we implemented there, we became the standard for all the other newspapers. So they were, they were constantly coming back to me like a year later asking things. So, so from, from there, so do you, so you met, you guys met mm -hmm. many years ago and then, you know, Troy, you moved on. Now you've moved on to, to other things and now to California. So what's, is, th is there another passion that's kind of sitting in the back of your head that you're, you're thinking you might take on or are you done for now? No, I, I definitely have a lot more passions. I want to, I definitely want to explore more in the food side and I want to, I want to bring food and grilling and cannabis together as well, which is still kind of in alignment with both of my, my current efforts. But I, I also, I also kind of want to go down the road of helping people uh, monetize their passions because I, I get a lot of questions as well. Like I, I would love to blog about knitting if I could just make money with it. Well, that's pretty easy. There's a lot of affiliate programs out there. Just create good content. The tools are free. Start a blog, connect with people. You, before you know it, you have some content that ranks, that builds your social profile. I, I tend to see the path for these things more than others. And if I can help people do that, I, I will gladly do so. So it seems there's a, uh, there's a book out there called Halftime. Uh, and the concept behind halftime, 
and I'm I'm blanking on the, on who the uh, author of it is. I I should know. He's he's founder of the Halftime Institute, and he's down in Dallas, and he's actually he's passed on now. But his he was he was the owner of a, um, a television station. Uh, that his, his family owned. He moved he moved in the television station. Then television became cable, and then he went from cable into um, uh, being bought out. And so, with with a with a bunch of money and and trying to figure out what he was going to do, uh, he moved from this idea of success to significance. So, in the first part of your life, you build success, but then success becomes not enough because it's insignificant. And so, every at some point in time, people make the transition or, or ask the question, but what am I doing that's significant in the world? How am I going to leave this place better or how am I going to pass on? And that's, and, and like in the book, his book is called halftime because he makes this, he, he makes this point that games are won or lost based on what happens in the locker room in halftime. So you set yourself up during the first half and then you digest what's working, what's not working, and you and you make a plan for the second half uh, to win the game. And so it seems to me, the corollary that I'm drawing here is that you have, you've, you've transitioned uh, from this point of, hey, I've got these skills, I'm successful, and you now utilize those skills. Those skills don't go away. You didn't like reinvent yourself, but you're utilizing those skills and leveraging them into something now that you believe is significant in the world. That's a fantastic way to put it. I've never heard of that, put it that way. And it sounds exactly like me. Bob it, Buford. I, it just came to my mind. I'm going to throw it out there. Bob Buford, B-U-F-O-R-D, halftime. I'll, I'll send you a copy of the book. Thank you. But now you got to fly out to California and, and eat his cooking now. Because you used to post that stuff on Facebook every day. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it always makes me really hungry. So, so now, now that you have made that, that transition into significance and if, and you you feel what it's, you feel what it's like. I do. I, I feel what it's like. I, I feel, I feel like I'm creating more significance. Uh, even, even when there are struggles with, you know, uh, drama in the space or financial situations, when people come to me and tell me how much they appreciate my reviews and how much my content has helped them or how much they enjoy watching me it, it all makes it makes it okay makes it worth it um, again you know when when i saw what troy's doing now i i think of all the people out there who you know are are chipping away chipping away chipping away um and then they get to a point where they're successful as you said uh and and they could continue just to do that the rest of their life and and, and retire and, and have a nice retirement um but then to to make that leap into totally an unknown space. I mean, it's known in your way because because of, of your skills. But still, there wasn't you know there's no there's no guarantee, right? Oh, there's, that it's there's no work. guarantee. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a kind of a weird feeling to be honest, and, and the the feeling you're talking about because it's an unknown. Like I'm I'm just jumping out of an airplane a year ago, and and it was very surreal, and all my friends and family were concerned. You know, <laughs> like you've, you've built this thing, you've got all these things and you're just walking away from that. But the thought of the thought of doing what I was doing for another 15 years or another 10, 20 years, it, it honestly, it just made me sick. Like I, I literally, 
I felt dead inside. Like I, I felt like I could die right now. I'd rather die right now than do that again for 20 years. Like I just, I, I would rather, rather not, you know, that's it's a weird feeling. Yeah. That's intense. I think you're not alone in that feeling. I think people get to that point and they don't, they don't know what to do with that. Uh, and because like you, like you talked about before, you're kind of programmed that this is, this is just how we, how we do it. Here's the formula I'm going to, I'm going to follow because that's, you know, the formula that I know instead of, uh, instead of realizing there might be a different way, there might be a way to, uh, to go out and, 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 and do something that you feel makes a difference and it makes you come alive inside. Yeah. It, it's, it's really important to be mindful of those things. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I've connected with people and, there's been enough self-awareness to lead the, lead the way for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I, well, I, we've, we've certainly enjoyed talking to you. I think um, one, one of my big takeaways from this is that you have, having traveled now this journey uh, and you're, I mean, you're still on your journey, but you're, you're further ahead on your journey than where some people are at. And likewise, there are for people further ahead of you who I'm sure that you follow after it's, it sounds to me like you, you have a lot to offer uh, like one of your, one of your concepts where, you know, you, how do I help other people kind of make this leap and make money with their passions? Um, it sounds, sounds to me like that, that's a good opportunity for you and certainly something that would make you come alive and in, inside and would be additionally significant to the world. So how do we, how, how do, how does somebody get in contact with you or how do they get connected up with the, the groups that you have? You can find all of my cannabis content on 420vapezone.com. I'm also active on Instagram. Uh, I was on YouTube. I got deleted on YouTube. We didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to? Uh, actually, it was kind of important. Like I, I spent in the nature of your program with what works. Yeah. With my con- with my 420 side of things, I immediately found that YouTube content worked very well. Like the content that I was putting out on YouTube worked very well. Uh, I grew in 15 months, I grew to 12,000 subscribers. And when I got deleted in May, my channel was growing at 1200 new subscribers every 30 days. Wow. So by now I would have been at like 25,000. It was, it was snowballing at an unbelievable rate. Uh, I was serving up a million and a half minutes of watch time every month. So my content was being digested and absorbed. It was making great money working very well. And then YouTube deleted my channel. You can still find me on YouTube, but I don't have all the videos anymore. It's a new channel with some new videos and some old videos. And there's no, there's no way around that, right? Once they make that decision, is there an appeals process? There is an appeals process and I've, I've been trying to work through it, but I've been denied six times and all six denials have been like a canned response. So it's not like I'm talking to a human. And since my channel was only at 12, like it's, it's a huge priority. Other channels went through and they deleted a, a number of, of cannabis related channels. Some of them have been brought back. Uh, other ones have not. So there's some of the biggest channels that were out there have not come back. And so is, that, was, is that due to laws? You know, it's, it's technically still illegal in some areas. That's, it's kind of unknown. YouTube hasn't been perfectly transparent with why, these channels have been deleted. It did happen after their adpocalypse scenario where they had all of the wildly inappropriate content being served to children yeah. with ads. 
uh, and when that went down, YouTube hired 10,000 human reviewers to uh, review any video that was flagged. And the flag, the auto flagging system is based on content and it, it always flags videos that are being re, uh, uh, recommended mostly. So the, it's ba- the, the review process is built on YouTube's recommendation engine. So when a video is being recommended to new people, that's when it gets flagged for a review because that's how these uh, inappropriate videos were getting so many views. They were optimized. Me, I'm an optimizer. I was building content that would get recommended. That was part of my strategy. You know, I was creating content in certain spaces, answering certain questions that would get recommended to new audiences. So I, my, all my videos got, got flagged pretty heavily and I got deleted. Wow. Yeah. That's, um, that's rough to, to build part of business on, on a media, you know, media company that then that it goes away overnight. Oh yeah. It was, it was pretty heartbreaking, but that, that was, you know, it, it was an educational experience as well because it reminded me more about this whole day job thing. It's like when suddenly your, your whole income stream is wiped out overnight and you, you have to stop and think, do I, do I jump back into this boat or do I go back and, and do something different to easily pay the bills and change the stress levels? That's where that's where people are made or break, you know? Yeah. That's true. Well that that's um certainly something to keep in mind. Our, the last recent podcast we had was uh was talking about resiliency as one of the qualities uh that can lead to success. And if you're resilient then you can be successful and if you're not then you won't. Uh no matter how talented you are. That's that's very true. Well, you, you, as we said before, you've got a lot to offer and, um, I'm excited to see what's coming next for you. So people can go to 420vapezone.com and how do they get to Weber Kettle Club? Uh, WeberKettleClub.com as well. Uh, the Weber Kettle Club is also, we have a, a mobile app. So if people want to join up into the community, there's a Weber Kettle Club app in the iOS and Android. Uh, we're also on Facebook, but there's, there's a lot of Facebook groups now. Mm-hmm. So Facebook group isn't, isn't kind of the, the heart the the main collector community is at WeberKettleClub.com. Awesome. Well, Troy, thanks so much for being on the uh, Wartworks podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. I've had a blast. Nice seeing you again, Troy. It was good seeing you too, man. Or hearing you. <laughs> the What Works podcast is a production of Thinker Ventures. Learn more at ThinkerVentures.com.